Wahini Mekirimaru, ladies and gentlemen, come with us to a world of joyous songs and wondrous miracles. The Animusings Podcast. Wait a minute. Wait. I just did a Hawaiian entrance, and yet we're not talking about any sort of... We're not talking about Lilo and Stitch. No, we're not. That's we're not talking about Moana. That's way far away, hon. Why did I even do that intro? I don't know, because you want to keep with the whole Disney Parks theme in the introduction, but that's okay. Even though our podcast has nothing to do with the Disney Parks, pretty much not. At all. Yeah, yeah, well, it's okay. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Animusings. I am your host, David King. And I am Kayla Berry. And we are here today to talk about Coco. Wait. No. <laughs> well, I should say right off the bat, we, we are actually today going to be talking about, because you probably saw the title, Saludos Amigos. But uh, instead, but uh, I should. All, it would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, earlier today, before we even did this recording, Kayla and I went into their local theater and saw uh, Disney Pixar's newest production, Coco. And Coco is amazing. It's very good. I, I don't want to say too much because I. The less you know, the better. Yes. I mean, I think people will get the premise that it takes place in Mexico and it's about Dia de los Muertos, and that's enough. After that. Just go see it. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, we, we can't talk about it yet because we're not at that point on any timeline in this podcast. But but I will give them this. Like, uh, so Saludos Amigos, I would say, is the first time Disney has e- ever done anything with um, uh, Hispanic culture or Latin American culture. Mm-hmm. And to go from that to Coco now is astounding. Like, yeah, that's true, actually. Um, but uh, Saludos Amigos, actually, um, it, despite not many people knowing about it, I think, it did make quite a contribution to American history. Believe well, well, this is the part where, before we get into the actual film itself, we talk a little about some of the interesting tidbits with this film's history. Last time we were here, we were talking about Bambi, and that had been, it was the Little Deer movie that almost... Made I don't know it didn't do as did it do well in the box office I cannot remember uh it did not it barely made it okay or it it it, it almost made it like it was like just a couple thousand hundred thousand it it did better on subsequent re releases if I yes. recall yeah but here we are now in the thick of World War Two yeah it's nineteen forty two um and actually uh this movie was um backed by the government. This so, was a government-funded film. Well, uh, they they gave them the ability to get a federal loan because of the American government. Well, okay, let's go back a bit. So, remember when um, during Dumbo, or no, not Dumbo. Uh, yes, Dumbo. Yes, because... Because uh, this was during the animation strike. Yes. Um, that one of the things that led to eventually the end of the animation strike was Walt Disney's Latin American tour. Mm-hmm. This is the result of that Latin American okay. tour. Okay. So uh, Walt Disney did a goodwill tour uh, that was started by the Good Neighbor Policy by uh, Franklin Delano uh, Roosevelt. Good old FDR. Yep. And uh, the reason why uh, this was funded by the government um, was because uh, Latin America had pretty good ties with... Ne- Nazi Germany at this time. They had ties, or were they more just like Nazi 
sympathizers or at they, least they, they had good good ties oh okay so um america wanted to sever these ties so um what better way to hit the nazis right in the face than to uh use mickey mouse well here's a here's an interesting thing uh latin america actually um really liked mickey mouse mm-hmm. as well as other disney characters and it was actually Norman Rockefeller who said Walt Disney should go and do this okay. goodwill tour. Uh, so after uh, doing this tour, they wanted to make Saludos Amigos. But you know, let's face it, they were really the, – the business wasn't doing too well. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, this is – again, and this is in the, in the midst – this was in the midst of the strike, right? Correct. Well, no, no, no. This is post strike. This is post strike, honey. Well, I mean, not the, not the, um, I know that, I know the film is post strike, but they were doing the tour during the, or uh, what? the, the tour was during the, or, uh, was during the strike, yes. Okay. But, um, even then, it's like the business was going under. Dumbo was a success, but then Bambi was a failure. Okay. So they basically didn't have the finances and, uh, they didn't have much secure funding. However, the American government was really interested in this film, so they allowed them to get a federal loan. Um, believe it or not, this is actually uh, an important film for the reason that it featured Latin American uh, co- uh, cities and countries to America who for a while had completely opposite ideas of what they thought Latin America was like. And this film is credited with helping change American perceptions of Latin America. Like, this was a way for Americans to understand, oh, so this is what South America is really like. Like, they thought they were really underdeveloped. And then they saw, like, the skyscrapers in Rio de Janeiro. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rio de Janeiro, my apologies. Um... As well as, like... <laughs> he pronounced it the way Donald pronounced it. I know, I know, and I feel bad. Gennari. Re- <laughs> Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> I, I, okay. Donald is such a gringo. I know. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but the fact that they're like, oh, okay, so this is what it's like. Uh, it gave America a better idea of this country and basically... Uh, basically created a... Better ties. So, it, yeah, it, it smashed some preconceived notions. And, uh, I mean, because you think about the scenes in the movie where you see a lot of people walking down the streets of Rio and their people are like, look, these are just people. Look, it's just like any other modern city. People are wearing suits and, and dressed nicely. And- so, so, uh, before we begin, um, this is not fully animated, by the way. Right. Um, um, this is... But it's still a feature production of Walt Disney Animation Studios, so it falls un- technically under the, the canon It does. Covering. It does. But it does have live-action um, segments that are interspersed with animated segments. Mm-hmm. And the live-action segments show, like, Walt Disney, as well as the animators, traveling to, uh, well, the four countries that are observed are Peru... Um, Argentina, uh, Chile first, then Argentina, and then Brazil. Mm-hmm. And we get to see like clips of them in these countries observing different practices, and then eventually making animations to go along with these countries. And usually putting uh, like surprisingly giving much respect 
to the countries and kind of poking fun at American tourists. Which is- <laughs> That's true, actually. Um, it's a, you know, this is the first time I think I've ever seen this completely through. As a kid, I might have seen clips of it, but maybe I'm thinking of the Three Caballeros because um, I do remember the parts with Jose and uh, Donald that ho- show up here later on. Do not remember the goofy one at all. And I think I kind of remember Pedro, the Pedro the Plain sketch. Yeah, I short. But. You know, I've never seen seen any of Saludos Amigos before. Mm. I've seen Three Caballeros many, many times. I actually own the movie, and I oh. really did like it. I, I'm excited to rewatch it again. Actually, later on. Same. Um, but never seen Saludos Amigos. Like, I was surprised when I first I heard first heard about it actually a few years ago, and I'm like, oh. This is a thing, and was um, happy to know that, like, uh, Jose Carioco, uh, Carioca, I'm sorry, actually had a first appearance before this, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. He, I noticed that Jose was a, Jose was kind of a big deal in this film, despite not showing up until the end of it. Yeah. I think they were really banking on him as a character. I noticed in the movie poster that was released for this, it says, Introducing Jose Carioca, the Brazilian jitterbird. Uh, he, so. actually, he actually did get a popular following after this believe it or not he actually did came out as a come out as a very popular character he's a great he's a great character already um i think the most memorable thing i remember from jose doesn't come until uh the three caballeros and it's when he sings the song babaia Mm -hmm. i love that part and uh, i'm looking forward to that that portion of uh of that film when we get to it, but that's neither here nor there when it comes to this. But I will say that I think it was a pretty inspired bit to come up with this character because there's something very likable about him, but that might also have to do with the voice actor of, uh, Jose, mm-hmm. who was also named Jose. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, I guess we should start at the beginning. There's, this is not a very long, th- you mentioned to me, uh, Kayla, that this is actually the shortest animated this is the shortest feature that Walt Disney animation. This Studios. is only forty-two minutes long. This is not Dumbo. We Dumbo was the shortest for a, a, a while, and then yep. this one. This and this remains the shortest one. This is still the shortest live action. Not live action. I'm sorry. The shortest. <laughs> it's so real. <laughs> it's so real. The colors jumped off the page. I know, right? <laughs> uh, this is actually the shortest feature animated film that is uh, produced by Walt Disney Pictures. And this is not counting, like, the shorts that they've been doing no, recently. Because no, no, we no. also saw Olaf's Frozen Adventure before Coco today. And so. which is funny, that's a half hour long. Is it? Olaf is a half, that was a half hour long short. That's probably why the runtime for the movie was Yeah, it was so like, long. we were surprised when we were going to go see Coco. I was, he's like, yeah, David was like, oh, how long is this movie? It's got to be only like an hour and a half. I'm like, actually, this is nearly two hours long. He's like, are you serious? Well, they they they, slayed, they gave an extra half hour to Frozen, yeah, basically. Yeah, and that makes more sense, too, because it's like, I was surprised, because, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of work that goes into an animated feature, and it for an animated feature to go so long shows how much work and effort goes into it. Like, when we get to the Miyazaki films eventually, those are, can go up to, like, two hours, over two hours long, maybe two, almost three hours. We should, so, make it, we should make it clear right now that one of the mission statements we have with Animusing is, is once we finally get to the, as far as we can with the Disney canon, we want to talk about the great animated works of other studios, like Studio Ghibli, or the works of Don Bluth, or Pixar, or, you know, things like that. Other other animation studios out there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
it's going to be one heck of a ride, especially because, uh, especially with Miyazaki, because the fact that they can go for three hours, almost like three hours or two and a half hours, that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard enough to like animate all these little details and everything. So when I heard, when I thought like Coco was going to be like almost two hours, I'm like, are you serious? Jeez. But then an hour and a half makes more sense. And it makes sense that a lot of these films um, earlier on are not that long. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of these are under an hour and a half. That's true. Um, I mean, I think the... uh, They get some, I mean, or like a little over an hour, I want to say. Was, unless I'm missing my guess, was Snow White the longest one of the bunch so so far? So far, yes. Okay, and that was the first one, so they really needed... No, 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 Fantasia. Oh, you're right. Fantasia. Because Fantasia is like two hours long. But the the difference with Fantasia versus Snow White, Fantasia is segments of different uh, uh, shorts. So you have different animators working on different, like, specific shorts. That's while true. also interspersed with live action part. Plus portions. those between segments were very long. Yeah. And I, again, we we addressed that in the in the episode itself. Um, if you want to know what we thought about that, you can go back and listen to our Fantasia episode, which we did with Abysme. Um, but the I think Snow White so far is the longest that in terms of like just purely animated. All right, yeah, continuous feature length animation. You know what's interesting is uh, we're entering an interesting period, and, and I swear we'll talk about the movie itself and the, the parts of it soon enough. But um, we're interest- we're entering an interesting period of. Disney, uh, the Disney features for a bit, because for a long while, it's sort of these, um, these pieces where it's like a lot, it's a few shorts put together with a framing, sometimes not animated device like this for, it won't be until Cinderella, I think. Yeah. That we get back to a proper feature anime, you know, feature length animation. Cause Bambi was the, I, I think we mentioned, 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 mentioned this. <laughs> Uh, was the last full-length animated feature that's just a full story. Mm-hmm. And that was back in 1940, 1941. Mm-hmm. And then we won't get it until 1950 with Cinderella. Gosh, we're gonna we're entering a long and interesting period of, uh, of, of sort of not forgotten, but maybe not as talked about Disney animation. Um, I'm sure these, I mean, obviously Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros would eventually leave an impact. I certainly remember these characters growing up. Jose, mm-hmm. um, Donald. Well, I mean, everybody remembers Donald. Um, one interesting thing, and I want to say this right off the bat because our first short in this features Donald. Yes. Um, is that uh, you see a lot of Donald during this period. Donald is actually very popular in Latin America, especially ah. at this time. That's why uh, there's a point where you see Jose Carioca when he recognizes Donald, he gets all excited. <laughs> well, I mean, for, in the grander scheme of things, I would argue that Donald is a more interesting character than Mickey. Mm-hmm. Because um, unlike Mickey, who he used to be a lot more mischievous, and then in recent years, uh, for a period, he was just kind of a kind of a goody two-shoes, and now he's kind of got the mischievous angle to him again, with yeah. at least the new Mickey Mouse shorts that they're producing. But Donald's always had the attitude problem. He's always had the anger issues. He's always got, like these wacky things that happen to him. I think Donald is more, ultimately in some cases, more fun to watch. Agreed. Although Goofy is my 
Goofy's my favorite, and we, thankfully we get Goofy as well during this. But. So, so we begin with like seeing the animators um, board the plane, and they're flying off to well, first Chile. Or, no, Peru. Peru. I'm sorry. They go to Peru. They go to Peru. <laughs> now, um, all of the live action segments are actually filmed uh, on location. The only time that they did, had to stage it was when. Um, you see the animators on the plane or boarding the plane because Walt realized, oh, I forgot to film that. So they had, <laughs> and that was actually a quick thing to do. So honestly, as long as like the live action segments that take place in the country are real, the, the plane staging is fine. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. And actually, it's really cool because it's kind of like watching a little travel log. So we get to Peru. Specifically, they focus on uh, Lake Titicaca. Yes, and uh, our first short has to do with Donald in Lake Titicaca as a tourist. And the funny part is you get to see him be ridiculous. And uh, like like I said before, uh, the animated uh, uh, Peruvian people are treated very respectfully, I would say. I would say this is a lot more respectful than some of the caricatures we've gotten in previous ones. Like... I remember in the Reluctant Dragon. Remember the baby oh, Weems short. Yeah, um, and and in the future too, it's gonna get worse as we see, like when we get into Peter Pan and such. You could tell this was a goodwill thing because, like, the people, the Peruvian, like the the people who are living in the lake. You see, before the short starts, you have a little sort of video thing where you see the the village markets and stuff, and you see actually see the animators doing sketches of the people they see. Mm-hmm. So they talk about how the Inca culture continues to be um, uh, carried on in like some of the traditions, like the musical instruments and stuff like that. They talk about, the, there's a great scene where you see some burros um, carrying, carry, all- <laughs> carrying big hay bales, but they just look like walking hay bales yeah, from behind. It, it's like that the proud um, llamas wouldn't carry. Because <laughs> llamas are, would, aren't, uh, basically, they carry people, but... Llamas are apparently famously stubborn, and they once they hit a certain load limit, they'll just sit down and refuse to move until you remove that. And I thought that was a nice tidbit. Mm-hmm. It does come up a little bit in the shorts. They take everything they learned. They they took away from Peru, from Lake Titicaca, and they can keep a straight face while saying that. Because I always think of the freaking Animaniacs short, you know, yeah. Lake Titicaca, Lake Titicaca. Anyway, um... But then Donald's acting like a dumb tourist. He's taking pictures of everything. He's taking pictures of literally everything. And then he, um, like, he's riding uh, a typical Peruvian boat, boat, but then he sinks it and messes up. And I love the bit where the wind picks up. He just goes flying away. The, <laughs> the boat goes flying across the lake. That was pretty funny. Or he's riding a um, llama across a bridge and... <laughs> He goes up into the Andes, and it's just... Suddenly we get a suspension bridge scene that could put any Indiana Jones movie to shame. Yeah. I like the fact that they said, you know, you must walk across the suspension bridge with... Uh, or, like, the narrator saying, you have to walk walk across the suspension bridge with Karen. And Donald looks at the narrator and is like, shut up! I thought that was pretty good. Um, but, yeah, it was a good short, because, I mean, who doesn't love Donald? Uh, the next part... Um, then we go to San, uh, to Chile, and then, um, this is, um, I'm not gonna lie, this is not my favorite short. Well, uh, 
we're talking about Pedro, the little airplane that could, right? Yeah. Um, funny enough, actually, this isn't a lot of people's favorites, but it did have a strange influence, and I'll explain why. So, um, uh, a Chilean cartoonist uh, named Rene uh, or goes by Pepo, didn't like uh, Pedro the airplane at all. Because he wanted a character that could be seen in the same league as Donald Duck or Jose Carioco. So in 1949, he created a character named Condorito, who is an anthropomorphic uh, condor. Oh, cool. And actually, his this uh, character is one of the most popular characters, like uh, cartoon characters around the world. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, so because of, like, Pedro the Airplane, like, basically... What this is our chili character? I don't like this. Yeah, it's like Chile is being represented by this this doofy little airplane, this yeah. doofy little mail plane. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I can understand. That. I think Pepo did a good thing. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to look up uh, Condorito because Sam. Um, and that uh, sounds like a, that sounds real, like a, a cool character. In fact, uh, let's take a look at. at I'm sitting. Full disclosure, I'm sitting near a computer right at this moment. Let's take a look at Condorito right now. Do, 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 do. Sorry. Oh, there I know. he is. I've seen him before. You've seen Condorito before? Yeah. Uh, not like as a, um, in a comic strip, but I've seen him like in, like on t-shirts and stuff like that. Or like, a like, I didn't realize that was a famous character. Wow. Well, there, there you go. I've, I actually never didn't know what he looked like, so now I could put it to it. He's bald like a condor too, because that's just, it was weirding me out for a second there. But yeah, you can see the influence there. Well, that's fantastic. Awesome. Plop seems to be a common, popular uh, sound effect with uh, Condorito. Anyway, so yeah, this short, this short's okay. It has its moments. Uh, we have there's a couple of corny jokes like you have Papa who is a male plane, and you have Mama, who is a female plane. <laughs> and then, basically, Pedro is a uh, baby airplane that has to fly from Chile to uh, Argentina to apparently deliver a postcard. So off from Chile he goes, flying the dangerous route through the Andes because his both his parents are ill to a degree and can't get through. And there's this one really scary mountain with a face. Uh, it has a specific name. It's the tallest... Mountain in the Western Hemisphere. I should know this. Uh, Aconcagua. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah. Aconcagua. Aconcagua. Uh, I believe that is the mountain. It's always depicted as this having this really horrifying. Yeah, it's have it's the highest mountain in the Western Hemisphere, and it actually has this really scary face on it in the short, and all these lightning storms and things around it. Um, I do remember the mountain in particular sticking out to me from my childhood. So Aconcagua. Is there, and uh, again, this uh, this short does not stand out to me that much. It, it it's cute. It's not funny or anything like that. Uh, I I can say see why Peppa was dissatisfied with it. Well, uh, when you when when your Chile segment is represented by this doofy little plane again, the do is it's a doofy little plane. It's not. It can't be taken that seriously. He chases a he he he, he doofs around. He almost hits a. A rail, uh, you know, a flight control tower, a couple times chases a but chases a condor. Wait, 
Do you think that's part of it? I think so. Because he chases a condor into the mountains. Is that, was that the proto, because it's a condor that outsmarts, that's like, yeah, this condor should represent uh, Chile. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Prototype, pro, the, 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 the condor that messed with Pedro could have been the, insp- the inspiration for Condorito. There we go. So anyway. Then we move to Argentina. Uh, where uh, they actually talk about the gaucho and actually show um, great footage of, like, actually Argentinian gauchos. This is the section where we actually see get to see Walt. Yeah, which is kind of cool. It's like, whoa, hi there, Walt. Looking pretty snappy in his fedora and, you mm-hmm. know, suit and tie, and but he looks like he's traveling. I'm like, yeah, this this is a prototypical 40s, 40s man. He's got, like, a flower on his lapel and everything. Yep. Um, Mm-mm. That good looking. <laughs> and then we bring in Goofy. Uh, funny enough, uh, this one is called... Ga- uh, uh, El Gaucho Goofy? Yes. Yes. And it's basically like a how-to short, but... Um, bas- it feels very much like how to ride a horse in some places. Well, it was originally supposed to be uh, how to be a cowboy. Okay. That um, included Goofy, but then after this Goodwill tour, they basically used whatever they had for how to be a cowboy... And then transferred it to this one. That explains why he starts out as a cowboy in, like, Texas or whatever. Yeah. Smoking a cigarette. By the way, when it, this film goes to DVD, they actually take out the cigarette portion. Wah. Goofy. Come on, Goofy <laughs> had a problem for a while. Denying that he was he used to smoke is not going to make the make the fact that he did go away. Goofy, Goofy got over it. He kicked his habit. And it's a pretty informational short, uh... In, with still the humorous uh, parts of like Goofy being silly and mm. um, as is his, as well as his horse. Yep, but they inform like what do gauchos wear using the correct terminology, uh, what uh, how a gaucho would ride a horse. Um, I think my favorite part is the slow motion. <laughs> Let's watch this in slow motion. Yeah, <laughs> just watching Goofy moving in slow motion. Falling off his horse. This was like a recurring gag of Goofy Tunes for a while. Again, this is what made me think of How to Ride a Horse, because remember how it slowed him down in that, too. You know? Yeah. All in this work, the, the grace and beauty of the rider are best illustrated by the slow motion camera. You know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's the same narrator, too, for this short as well. Yeah. And I, this this is probably, well, in terms of the, the shorts on here, this is one of my favorites because I just I just love seeing Goofy in these situations. I think this is the funniest. Yes, definitely the funniest. We laugh the most during this one. That slow motion camera bit was yeah. fantastic. As They're he's trying the- to catch an ostrich and then the ostrich will fear in its eyes. <laughs> yeah. This While, is- like, intercut with Goofy, like, yeah, no. One of the bits I really appreciate was certain scene transitions would actually, like, slide in and crash into the characters who were already there and knock them off screen as the scene transitioned. So you'd have, like, a like a slide in, like a cut in, and the cut would actually hit Goofy and the horse, and they would fly off screen and with the cut. It was pretty funny. Um, and, uh, again, this is the one time you get to see Goofy throw bolus at a, a uh, ostrich. So there's something to say about that, too. Bolus hunting. Um, and then we go to Brazil. Yes, we go to specifically to Rio de Janeiro. Rio de Janeiro. And this is where, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pronounce it the terrible way. I'm sorry. Yes, you suck. Uh, is it, is it, is, you, you don't pronounce the J, right? It's super soft. It's Janeiro. Janeiro? Yeah. Rio de Janeiro? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, they get, so they get to Rio. And yes. <laughs> uh, 
this is actually one of the t- uh, the segments that Americans were surprised by because it shows actual city life. Like, because um, Rio de Janeiro is a city. Right. I mean, you see the famous statue of Jesus up on the hill. You see the... But I think the part that sticks out is when you see the beach, the, the waterfront. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah. It's like, it's got all these hotels along it. You see, like, hundreds of people... Like, on the beach. And then they're walking along, and there's these, this beautiful street that has these um, wave, uh, like black and white wavy lines on the sidewalks, and it's right by a cafe. And the, the, They say specifically that these are mosaic sidewalks, and that it actually is uh, a testament to the artistry of the people of Brazil that they continue this tradition. I don't know if those sidewalks are still there to this day. I've never been to Rio, but I think it would be interesting to see if they still have like the mosaic sidewalks. Oh, I would love to visit. I really I, I would love to visit Rio. It'd be great. Um like they show samba dancing, but then they also show carnival. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Everybody seemed to be having a pretty good time at Carnival. Well, Carnival's huge. Like it's bigger than um uh like New Year's Eve or um uh in New Orleans. Um Mardi, Mardi Gras. Gras. Yeah. They even described it as such. It's like New Year's Eve and Mardi Gras, like, smashed together. Um, but it's a good, because get, we get a nice little introduction to the to the area, and then uh, they talk about the samba, how the samba came from Brazil, and then we get our, we, which leads us into our last short, which is Aguilera do Brasil. <laughs> Aguilera do Brasil. Which means, uh, translates to watercolor of Brazil. Which, I like this musical piece quite a bit. Like, a lot. And the reason why is, um, this is, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Brazil, uh, the 1985 Terry Gilliam film. And mm-hmm. that song plays a huge thematic part in the film. And it's so good. So, and it, what's funny thing is, um, Americans didn't know this, but it wasn't also that popular in Brazil as well. This movie was the one that made this song extremely popular. Was it? Mm-hmm. Oh. And it's because it's such a catchy song. Like, it's it's very upbeat. It's very fun. And I love this. I think I love this segment the most because it shows, like, an artist's hand drawing watercolors to this tune and it's just beautiful. What's amazing, too, is it's not even... You're not seeing a real brush. You're seeing an animated brush drawing these watercolor backgrounds. Sometimes the backgrounds are animated, and sometimes they're not animated until they're finished. But it's actually really impressive animation-wise to see this animated brush doing a water, uh, you know, a, a, a painting background in time with what's going on. And it's, like, really impressive. I wonder how, much, how many... you got to marvel at the amount of frames that had to do that. Like, maybe paint a little bit on, then put the brush cell over it, then do that. I wonder if, how they did it. It's really interesting to me. And then uh, this one has Donald as well, but it has Donald meeting Jose Carioco. He or, actually sees Jose come into existence. Or, I keep saying Carioco. It's Carioca. With an, yeah, with with an, an A, a at, at the end. end. Yeah. Um, we also see, uh, like, there's some good bits involving uh, plants turning into birds and toucans and whatnot. But yeah. Jose, let's talk about Jose, because we already talked about Jose a little bit. So, Jose Carioca, if you don't know who he is, is a green parrot from Brazil, and is actually voiced by a Brazilian actor, which is amazing, because he, when he begins talking, it's all in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And it's like, ah, yes! (laughs) And you you see Donald trying to, like, understand him. And then it finally says, or as you Americans say... 
And then Donald's relieved because he's been pulling translation books out of <laughs> out of nowhere trying to figure it out. They exchange cards at one point, which mm-hmm. is pretty great. Donald shows how he doesn't know what the heck he's doing, but he also hands uh, Jose his card, and Jose's like, oh, Donald Duck! And he, like, imitates Donald's famous, like, fist-waving, jumping maneuver. Yeah. He's very happy to meet Donald. And, and then, this is actually really kind of endearing to well, see these two meet. And uh, he, Donald extends his hand for him to shake, and Jose just hugs him. <laughs> well, this is actually, um, so... Uh, for those who don't know, uh, one, uh, my job, my real life job includes working with a variety of different people from different countries. Mm-hmm. And actually my, uh, quite a few, uh, quite a few people that I work with are from Brazil. Actually, my boss is from Brazil. Mm. So this is very true. Uh, Brazilian people are very warm, welcoming. Uh, they're the type that they hug each other. Oh. So to see that, it's like, okay, these animators got that. They All understood right. that. So right. <laughs> it is fantastic to see, um, like that they, it's like, oh, we're not going to just do it half fast and make it look like, oh, yeah, we'll just give, a, put an American actor and do the act, have someone do a fake accent. They were, they really made sure. Let's be as sensitive to this culture as possible. Oh, yeah. And I, but yet still keep to its realism. And I love that. It's very good. Um, and that's why I love Jose Carioca because he is like, this is when you see him, it's like, this is definitely a character from Brazil. This mm, isn't like, this isn't like an American approximation of someone from Brazil. No. This, like, if you, if you told me, yeah, this character's from Brazil, it's like, I believe you. Like I know he's just an anime character, but I believe you. <laughs> so they did their they did their homework, and also the fact again, like I said, the fact that he's also voiced by a man named Jose is a is a big plus to to cementing his personality because I think he has a great personality just from this short alone. He just pops out. Yeah, and um, then um, I love the fact they're like it's like they Donald and him are like dancing to Aquarela do Brasil. And uh, what's great about this part, too, is there's so many bits where the paintbrush continues to come in, and he's trying to tell, teach Donald about the samba. Yeah. And as he does, you get bits where they, like, they're walking and dancing around places, and they're following the brush, and the brush is painting things in as they walk in. It's actually a really inspired bit of animation, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, uh, this is also the part, it ends quite abruptly. That's true. This short has a weird, abrupt ending. They go to, like, a cafe. Yeah. And they drink a spicy, uh, uh, they, they have a kachaka? Kachata. Kachata. Yeah. And, um, they also, and then the rest of it is used to actually paint the, like, samba scenes in. Although that is a funny pit where Donald drinks it, and then it's so spicy, he... Fire comes out of his mouth, and then Jose uses it to light his cigar. He's so nonchalant about it. <laughs> then they go to the Coco Coco Cabana, and there's a like basically the Chiquita Banana Ladies dancing there in, in silhouette, and Donald's dancing with her, and it's great. And then ends. Yeah, it ends. It pans away from Brazil, and it's just over. It has a weirdly abrupt ending, just like the end. And I'm like, okay, sure. Now, I wouldn't say this is. As a film, it's like, I appreciate for what it's done, mm-hmm. how it handles everything. The animation's lovely. It's not exactly, it's not exactly like, yeah, I want to rewatch this over and over. Right, we're not, you know, the other thing too is, um, talking about this movie in, or this, this film in detail, um, 
it doesn't have the same level of depth as we have with some of the previous ones. We were actually considering story decisions and whatnot, because this is like, again, it's a collection of shorts. And we're going to be, Caleb, we're going to be here for a while. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, the thing is with the... I, 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 that's not to say shorts can't make an impression on you. No, they definitely left an impression. Yeah, but it's like, it's not as big of an impression as some of the live action films. Like Fantasia made a huge impression on me. And so did like, um, uh, surprisingly Snow White was like, exceeded my expectations from before. Especially revisiting it as an adult with you has been uh, yeah, all these films, same, really. same, same with Bambi, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, these, it's cute. Like, the, the anime, the short, these shorts are cute, and I, but I appreciate the live action parts more than I appreciate the animated portions. I mean, I think the one, the only one that, like, the one animation that I'm just, like, in awe by was Aquarela do Brazil. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's like I love the other animations, but they're not. Well, again, they feel like your they feel like your classic Disney shorts anyway, mm-hmm. with this uh, more inspired bit of kind of what we've come to expect from Disney feature animation at the end, uh, with the addition of uh, Donald and Jose kind of in the middle of this more elaborate thing that's going on. I- I'm kind of curious to see, like, because it's been a while since I've seen some of the other shorts, and uh, like, like we're gonna eventually watch like. Uh, Make Mine Melody and um, uh, Three Caballeros and uh, I'm trying to I can't think of the other one. Uh, oh, Fun, Fun and Fancy, Fancy Free. Free. <laughs> um, and it, aren't aren't both of these hosted by like Make Mine Music and and Melody Time and that one? Aren't they all like at least one or two of them are hosted by Jiminy Cricket? Something like that. It's been so long, so I'm kind of curious to see which of these animated features. Like, I actually have not seen Make My Music, but I have seen Fun and Fancy Free. I've seen Fun and Fancy Free as well, because that was the one with, uh, that's the one that introduced Mickey and the Beanstalk. I yeah, think. and yeah. that one I remember vividly. So I'm curious, uh, but then there's some parts that I'm, like, the other, like, sections I don't remember as well. So I'm curious to w- rewatch these films and say, oh, wow, which will some of these shorts actually hit me as hard as, like, some of the, like, uh, I mean, I want to say so far, the ones that hit me the hardest is probably Fantasia so far. Well, Fantasia was meant to be a feature, too. That's the other thing. There was differences there. But I think it's... We we got... Like I said, we've already acknowledged the cultural impact, historically, that uh, Saludos Amigos has. And I find it... Again, I had never seen the whole thing through. I find it... Uh, in, I find it interesting. I find it charming. And I find it actually kind of enlightening. Because you yeah. do get to see... Uh, parts of, uh, you know, South America and uh, during the 40s, which is really interesting, which is a neat little historical uh, time capsule. In so a way. with I mean, it's kind of like we're with Reluctant Dragon. If you're I think with uh, a Reluctant Dragon, if you're an animator or you love animation, you're going to adore that film. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed the Reluctant Dragon. Same here. Uh, <laughs> but I almost enjoyed the uh, but, I almost enjoyed the animation process in the Reluctant Dragon more than I enjoyed the shorts. Exactly. So. With this one, I, I appreciate what it did on a historical level. Yeah. Like, this is sh- something like, I mean, Reluctant Dragon is good in its own right. Mm-hmm. But this one, the in- historical influence is makes is why i give it such appreciation likewise likewise so i think that about wraps it up for saludos amigos uh luckily we don't have to lose our friends donald and jose very long because uh next month 
uh, in December, we'll be uh, unwrapping a stocking stuffer that is... What is that book? Uh-oh. What? What's up, Kayla? I think... Is, is that not what we're doing next? Hold on. Or are we going to have to take a look at that other film that came out around the time period? You know, the one that, that has lots of airplanes and stuff in it. Oh, God. We're going to have to watch that, aren't we? That'll be a plus, because as far as I know, as far as I've been led to understand that it was not a... Produced by... It was not a feature film. Okay. So, I think we are going to take a look at Victory Through Air Power. But that's going to be a much shorter thing. We're just going to give our general impressions. But stay tuned next month where we're going to look into uh, The Three Caballeros. Which is actually kind of funny because Three Caballeros did come out in December. It did. In in 1944. Hey, awesome. All right, so we'll be jumping ahead a little bit. And uh, don't be surprised if we have a guest on for that one uh, to join us. We were originally planned to have the guest uh, we wanted to have on uh, for that one. one, This one on Saludos Amigos. But unfortunately, some circumstances came up. But don't worry, we're going to hit up uh, Three Caballeros and talk about uh, our new duo. I want to see more of their dynamic and introducing a a third character. But anyway, until then... um, Kayla, where can the nice people find us if they want to know more about the podcast? You can find us at BenViewNetwork.com. If you're not subscribed to us already, hey, help us out. Do so. And maybe give us a little a little review, a little star rating on iTunes. It really helps. Uh, we're, we're just, honestly, Kayla and I are doing this just because we enjoy Disney so much. But we like to know that other people are enjoying what we're doing. So, hey, feel free to leave us some feedback. We really appreciate it. I want to... Or, or hit us up on Twitter at Pod. Same with uh, Facebook. We're also at Pod on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Give us a, a little feedback. Let us know what you think. Um... Uh, if, if there's something that you'd like to give some insight on on the movies that we review, uh, let us know. We'll uh, address them in the podcast. It'd be great. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Justin Kizon, who left us a little uh, from our, from our uh, sister podcast, Nothing New. Uh, who let, gave us a nice little review saying how how they how he enjoyed the show. I also want to uh, shout out to uh, both Justin and Andrew Lindy of the Benview Network, who for their funny uh, little parody ad they did for uh, their their podcast, Nothing New. It's worth checking out. In fact, you might hear it at the end of this episode. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, anyway, until until December, I guess we'll sign off. So uh, thank you again for listening, and. Uh, to all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Nothing new is something new. That great poets imitate and improve. Where our small ones steal and spoil. Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Justin. And if it wasn't readily apparent at that, we're huge nerds about remakes. That's why we're doing the Nothing New Podcast. Once a month, we'll sit down and talk about a remake in detail and its original, covering them in whatever order they come out, from Wizard Waz to It and beyond. They're remaking Stuart Gordon's 1986 sci-fi horror classic from beyond? Oh, no. Not yet. Oh, that's going to be a long time coming. Anyway, if that sounds up your alley, come join Justin and I, and maybe a guest or two, to explore the wonderful world of remakes, film by film. Remakes have been done forever. People talk about Scarface don't even know that was a remake. Oh, nicely said. Don't thank me. Thank Antoine Fuqua. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it 
at bendunetwork.com. <laughs>